Hey, thanks for tuning in to What Success Looks Like. This is a podcast spotlighting new and established entrepreneurs from diverse backgrounds and across industry sectors. I'm your host, Shana Lee, a talent development strategist and business operations consultant. On this show, I talk to successful business leaders that exemplify what realistic and attainable pathways for success in business really look like. Through these discussions, you will learn how setbacks can generate opportunities, how failure gives birth to growth, and how persistence is a key driver in each phase of your business development. So get ready to feel inspired and motivated by these dynamic business success journeys. Hey listeners, on today's show, I'm excited to welcome Ray Nunez, partner and community director of the Nunez Co. based out of Rhode Island. Ray's company is a creative collective that delivers end-to-end services for every aspect of brand development for emerging and transitional brands. I am excited to talk to Ray today because of his personal journey into entrepreneurship and also because he's established success in his business through both a social impact and revenue generating model. So I'm eager to hear his process and his insight on how best to create that type of business structure. Ray, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Shana. Shout out to the CIC in Providence, where we are here filming this, uh, recording this podcast. Um, So Ray, actually what I want to touch base on first is I had initially had you as founder and CEO of this company, because I think (laughs) it's really cool that someone your age is so successful in creating your own company, and you told me to change that to your role, which is actually partner and community director. So talk to me about your title and, and what your ideas are about that. I love that. So that's that's a question, uh, you know, funny enough, that's a question that I get asked a lot uh, because people expect me to, especially when they interact with me online on LinkedIn, they expect to see CEO and founder of X company. Um, and while I am the founder uh, with my wife of this company, um, the title that suits me best is, is community director because, you know, at the end of the day, my job within my team uh, is to develop community uh, for our clients, uh, develop community internally. That's what I do every single day. Um, I'm not just this, you know, ivory tower CEO moving the widgets around and and having people execute. I mean, every single morning I roll up my sleeves with my team and and we get the job done together. Um, Part of why we wanted to go into business was to disrupt all of these really kind of toxic hierarchies that exist in creative agencies where, you know, your boss tells you what to do every day. And, you know, that makes for a really ugly place to work. Mm. I don't I don't want anybody who I talk to to think that I'm. I'm the boss. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm one of you. Uh, we work together, we win together, we eat together. Uh, and that's part of why, you know, my job is to build that internal community. Um, I don't, I don't want to create that kind of illusion for folks. I love that. Flatten the organizational chart. <laughs> I know someone that works at a creative agency and has been in accounts for some time, but has like a real pension to the creative side and really mm-hmm. has ideas and has been doing it long enough, managing the accounts to kind of have ways to contribute, but exactly what you said, especially in some of the bigger firms, there's this like, well, that's your job is to manage the project, not to have a a say. That's the creatives. We've already decided who has a say. Mm -hmm. So I really dig that you do that, but I wanted to point out that you did create this company in partnership with your partner in life and in in career. And so, but that, because that I think is going to resonate with people who are wanting to do something like this and feel like that's way beyond what they could ever do. Um, so before we dig into some of the business structure stuff that I'm interested in, can you talk about who you are, where you came from, what, how this all started and what exactly it is that your company does? Awesome. So, um, you know, like I said, um, 
I am the founder. <laughs> I'm going to use that throughout the interview because I think this is awesome. Um, of this company, uh, the Nunez Co., uh, that we started in February with my wife. Uh, I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, I'm an immigrant. Uh, I came to the U.S. Uh, when I was four years old. Uh, and I grew up in uh, northwestern New Jersey. Uh, shout out to the sticks of Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> Jersey. You can hear it when I talk about bagels and coffee. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, growing up, I, I was always fascinated with the arts. Uh, as you could tell, I was always a really talkative kind of person. I was always that kid that got my desk moved because I was talking to my neighbors <laughs> and friends. Um, but I always was, like, just a fan of storytelling, right? Like, I, I love that energy that came out of, of just talking to people and sharing an experience with somebody. Um, so when I, you know, when I was growing up, I went to a technical high school uh, studying graphic design. I fell in love with, with the, the creative process of storytelling and, and marketing something uh, by saying very little and just showing a lot um, and just like creating emotion and connection to people. That was just fascinating to me. Mm. Um, I was always a little bit of an artist, like I was always sketching around. Uh, I used to get in trouble with some graffiti work when I was younger. Um, but I was always looking to, to make money, um, you know, through side hustles. Uh, I started making t-shirts and logos and, you know, short kind of things like that to, to make a, a, a quick buck when I was young. Uh, and then when I came to uh, Rhode Island, it was to, to go to college. Uh, I went to Johnson & Wales. Jay Woo! Jay Woo, go Wildcats! <laughs> um, and, you know, that kind of exposed me to this, this other side of the house. Uh, I was always looking at design as a very kind of isolated field where I'm creating a website and it's, it's static. It doesn't live and breathe. Mm -hmm. um, but what Jaywoo kind of exposed me to was the power of building community and how they overlap. Like I could tell a powerful story, but it's so much more impactful to have a crowd of people around me, uh, you know, to evangelize that story. Uh, it's one thing coming from me, but it's, it's more meaningful and more impactful to, to have a, uh, you know, a group of people who believe this message. Um, so marketing, advertising, design, they've always just kind of like been in my blood. Mm -hmm. um, and it only made sense to, to formalize it and, you know, create a business. Uh, but at the same time, you know, reflecting throughout my experience as, as a young person in this country, as an immigrant, as a person of color, um, I knew I needed to do something that, that was good, that was mm -hmm. doing good for, for people. So part of our structure is just to, you know, give back in every capacity. Uh, we know that small businesses are hurting, especially now. You know, we launched pre-COVID, 16 days before COVID. You're kidding. Launched. Yeah, February 1st was, was our first day of business. What? I feel like <laughs> you've been in business for 10 years. This, this is technically my second business. Okay. Um, I've been, you know, freelancing legally since I was 13. Wow. Um, I went to the courthouse with my mom on my 13th you're birthday. Kidding. Yeah, to register. Uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're young, you want to, like, do some, something cool and edgy. So I launched Entech. When I was 13, that's right? That's impressive, that 13. I mean, that's, <laughs> some, that's some Gary, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, Gary V. Gary V stuff <laughs> over there. Well, you know, I mean, mowing lawns is, is only so fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's a seasonal job. But yep. I needed to make money all year round. So. That's awesome. That is so inspiring. Parents, listen to this. Your listen. kids, they can get off those video games and go register their business. Oh, no, no, hold on. Let me throw a monkey wrench at you. Okay, though. oops. <laughs> I, I, the biggest paycheck I ever got Prior to being 18 years old, um, I was a competitive gamer. Oh, geez. Well, see, you probably that. that into making money. So maybe leverage your kids' gaming into starting yeah, a business. monetize Come it. Come on, monetize it. Make a it. YouTube account, kids. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, okay, so so talk about that then, you know, because folks, like, I think this is a certain subset of businesses, right, where an individual has a talent 
And I always say that too, like how do you monetize that? How do you, if you, when I became a coach, it kind of made sense. I could have been like lots of people who I went to school with coach mm-hmm. training with like a crystal coach or a horoscope coach or whatever yeah. people did, light aura coach, I don't know, yeah. and no shade, just good for yeah. you. But like I thought about what do I have experience doing? What do yeah. I have experience doing professionally? What am I really good at? And professional development and career coaching really just made sense. So you have this skill or this talent or you learn the skill or this talent in terms of marketing and branding. What was the the transition from I'm doing this and I'm figuring out ways to make money doing it, which I think mm-hmm. is easy enough, to I'm this is actually going to be a business. Like, how would you how would you advise someone who's thinking of turning what they can do and make a few bucks from into like a formalized kind of business structure? Yeah. So there's you know there's so many pillars to that. Um, part of the process was was figuring out you know what what are my inherent talents. Um, you know, my wife is my co partner here. What what are her inherent talents? What does she love to do every single day? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we how can we flex that and how can we you know live a life where obviously we're paying the bills and keeping the lights on but at the same time we're not dreading going to work Mm -hmm. Um, maybe that's like this millennial mentality or it's this entrepreneurial mentality but uh, we've both been in you know toxic workplaces where we we were dreading Mondays Mm -hmm. uh, where we hated the idea of opening up our email because we were doing that you know after office hours um, and we wanted to do something that was just like meaningful and fulfilling um, and a good use of our, our talents so, you know, my wife is an artist. Uh, she's the opposite. She's an introvert. Um, I'm out here talking to people uh, on podcasts and shows and shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah. And, and she's likely right now working in the office with our dogs, um, watching horror movies because and crime detective shows. That's what she loves. Oh, my God. There's, <laughs> there's a good, good one. Tell her Dr. Death podcast. Oh, my God. Dr. So Death? Good. Oh, I got to tell two. her. Season two. Season two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we knew that we had very different sets of... Um, of you know patterns of behavior but we had very overlapping technical talents which mm-hmm. is our, our passion and love for graphic design for branding for marketing so we knew inevitably we were going to do something together yeah so it took us it took us nine years to work on one project together for the first time but uh when we did there was just like this really dope synergy because oh. you know she was complimentary to me um i was out there bringing in the projects she was executing on a lot of like the minute details that for me are exhausting but for her they're fulfilling um and that you know that's when i talk to anybody who's looking to start their business it's always that question of are you going to love doing this every day and by that i mean the whole thing not Mm -hmm. just the the widget you're making or the product you're selling or whatever it's it's the process of of grinding every single day Mm -hmm. are you going to love that because if you're not you will be exhausted. And there's parts that you don't love. Like I actually, I resonate with that a lot. When I started my business, I remember being up at 11 o'clock at night on like a Monday and just, and there was 24 hours, or I was vacationing in Florida. I was at like a wedding, so I stayed for a week looking out at the ocean as I'm like on my laptop working. (laughs) But I couldn't help myself. Like I created that. Every morning I woke up just like everyone else and I was so excited to like dig in. But there were parts of it that I dreaded, right? Like. Mm The sales part. I wanted to do the work. I liked yeah. the marketing. I liked creating my website. Think about who I am and, and honing that. But I wasn't as great at it as it as I should have. Um, you can invest in people. I didn't like the sales part. There was certain stuff that like just Ugh, I have to keep doing this. Yeah. But that's when you okay. It's okay that you don't like it because mm-hmm. that's when you think about like who likes this, who believes in my idea, who wants, who can I partner with. Yeah. But your your point of you have to want to know that this when you start a business, it's not punch in, punch out, nine to five. Like it won't, it just won't work. It never will. It never will. You know, even before we we you know quote unquote launched this company, we were already thinking of who do we need? 
who do we need on our team? Yeah. Uh, because it's only a matter of time before we, we get exhausted from doing the work that we have to do every day. Yep. For me, it's it's that accounting, it's the invoicing, it's yeah. it's all of these like proposal writing. Yeah. Like I, I, I love writing, I love the pitch, I love yeah. the sales side, but it's a process to sit down and, and write 30, 40 pages of a sure. proposal. Uh, but I know that there's somebody out there who just gets such excitement yeah, from yeah. cranking in, you know, a couple hours and writing a proposal. So it's always finding those complimentary people uh, to join your team. So speaking of that, what were the first few steps that you took? Like, okay, really, let's make this a business. Was it like, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, and I do want to touch on this too. You know, I think so many people, and I've, I've had this conversation with a few of my founders, spend a lot of time hung up on like the name, the logo, the brand, <laughs> the website, and then like the act of doing the work yep. is so secondary that they're a year in and they haven't had one client yet or served one customer yep. because they're so inundated by this, like how I'm presenting myself. Now, as a marketer or brander, I'm curious to how much that kind of bogged you down or if you knew that like, okay, yes, we have to kind of create who we are, but like we have to do some business structure stuff too yeah. and also just start doing the work. How, yeah. Tell me about your process I love to that. start. So we, uh, there's two sides to this, right? Uh, we do this, we have this conversation, this hard conversation with our with our partners every single day um, because they're folks who are you know coming to us, usually startups or small businesses who are saying exactly that. I need a logo, I need a website, I need to do this, I need packaging and, and they don't even have a product ready. They haven't sold one thing yet. And I tell everybody, and some people get offended by this, um, I tell them you're not ready to, to go to market. Um, you need to, if you're in a real estate business, if you're planning on launching a real estate business, you better have a couple houses, you better have a couple properties, yeah. you have had to have done the thing. Yeah. You can't go to market and then think that you're gonna try to recreate that process from nothing. Right, once uh, you get clients, you'll figure out how to do no the work. Way. That's like saying I wanna run for office and once you elect me, I'll figure no, out what I'm gonna no. do. No, well, some people, that, work, that works for <laughs> right. some Isn't people. Isn't that odd <laughs> that we would see that as bizarre? <laughs> but for, for us, right, we, like I mentioned, I had been freelancing for a long time now. So I knew the process. I, I knew what it would take to formalize these processes. Um, same thing for my wife. You know, she was coming from the corporate side. Uh, she worked for Hasbro, so she knew that. You know, um, she already had the experience of of end to end delivery sure. of, of the service. Um, but <laughs> it's so funny when we were, you know, creating our branding and creating our website. We we did the thing, right? We were like, oh, it's not ready yet. Yeah, yeah. It, the story's not there yet. Yeah. It's it's not ready to be seen by other people. Yeah. Um, and, and we just had to say, you know, to hell with that mindset. Yeah. We we have clients. We have people who are already working with us. Yeah. This is a this is a formality now. Um, that's it. So many people put the the cart before the horse, and that's just it's backwards. You're gonna waste your time. And by the time you go to market and you get client feedback and you get um, you know your process is figured out, you're likely gonna have to rebrand anyway. That's it, and it's like, it's kind of like being good enough. I remember when I was first kind of trying to secure my first few executive level clients, I had worked professionally in a government setting and I had sourced and kind of really was working with junior level folks in terms of professional development. So now I had to make this pivot into like, oh no, I can serve high level people too. And I really, it just boiled down to like getting the first few people to just believe in me. Yeah. And I had to talk to a lot of people where it was like, I'm not convinced or show me this. But I had a handful who were at a super high level in their roles, but just something about what I was saying they bought into. And then I just brick by brick. Mm -hmm. And then I became the executive level, like serving executive, yep. executive level professionals was what I did. But I kind of like had to start somewhere. And I couldn't create this, this, this website or this image about myself that like, 
you know, I work with the corporate sector and this, because I hadn't. I had to just be, this is who I am, what do you think? And then now, like you said, once I started doing it, then I then I was able to shift my brand a bit to be true to like who yeah. I was actually serving. But you don't have to get all the way there first. You've got no. to start somewhere and you just got to start. Exactly, you just got to start. If you, if you get one thing out of today is you just got to start. You just got to start. Okay, so... Um, ter- in terms of you know, we met because you ha- you were uh, a mem- you were enrolled in one of the SEG or no? No, so I uh, I know a lot of the folks over at SEG and they were which doing- is Social uh, Enterprise Greenhouse, That's yep. Uh, based out of Rhode Island, they're a fantastic organization. Fantastic. Yep. Um, one thing that they were doing throughout COVID is uh, this little micro project called Stories of Hope. Yeah. Um, and they were showcasing. Um, mostly entrepreneurs of color who were... P.S. Plug, go check it out. Stories yes. of Hope, Jessica <laughs> Vega. Yeah. Claudia Cardoza, Harbor One Bank. Um, but one of the things that they were doing is like just showcasing good things that were happening. Like, they, I mean, it's obviously called Stories of Hope for a reason, mm. but they wanted to showcase businesses who were who were not just surviving this this impact of COVID, but who were thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, similar to the conversation we're having right now, uh, you need to see people doing well otherwise you're going to get bogged down and and think that this is unachievable or unattainable but um, I helped create a a lot of the branding for that Um, I created some videos for them Um, and you know this is this is one of those projects that came to me because um, I I wanted to give back uh, with my service with my talent yeah and for me this is what I do every day right I am a I I love pulling up a milk crate and like shouting to everybody about some good news Um, and that was a way for me to do that you know through my talents and I think social impact, which is what Social Enterprise Greenhouse focuses on, is incubating and accelerating entrepreneurs in the social impact space or wanting to start social impact businesses. But I think beyond folks who are that purposeful about it, you know, individuals that I work with as executive leaders or people who do decide to, to create a business, there is something in them that wants to kind of have a social impact, but they don't. So, so let's talk about that for a second, because yeah. you and I had talked about that, like, how purposeful do you need to be? And you know, can you create a business that is a re- revenue generating model, but in essence serves as a social impact? Or can you kind of generate a profit, but then take time to do things that provide a social impact for society? That to, to, to create or make a social impact, you don't necessarily have to be doing you know, Habitat for Humanity, exactly. right? Like exactly. it, and if, you, if you're so intent on doing that for the sake of doing it and not because something really resonates with you, it's probably gonna fall flat anyway. Yeah. So how can you kind of, uh, connect with that mission-driven approach, but still make money. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, that's that's the million-dollar question because for years, um, this was very like siloed. You have the nonprofit sector whose entire mission is to do good. Right. Uh, and then you know the private sector. You have a bottom line. That's it. Yeah. You got to make more money. Um, and yeah, there's been overlap, right? Like you mentioned, you you have a corporate office who might do something once a year where they pack lunches or they build a house or something yeah. like that. But there's there's this shift, uh, especially with, with younger people, who are seeing that there's a need uh, to have a hybrid, to have both existing at once. Um, and, and it's an expectation that businesses, you know, we keep hearing this word corporate responsibility. And young people are looking at businesses and saying, hey, what are you doing with that money, mm. right? What are, you, what are you doing with all of that revenue you're pulling in? Because if you're not doing something good with it, then we need to disrupt your model mm-hmm. uh, because you shouldn't exist in this world where you're just hoarding wealth. And when we started our business, we knew, you know, we're we have student loans. We're young people. We just got married. We're we're trying to you know start a family and start a life here, and we knew that that's an expensive process. Um, yeah, we could have clocked in at nine to fives and, and pulled in a paycheck and had health insurance and the whole thing, but we knew that we wanted to start a business that was going to be able to you know work within our means. 
but we could also do something really good with it. Mm -hmm. um, so our entire model is, is based around the idea of a social enterprise where, yeah, we charge you for our services um, if you have the means to. Uh, we know that there's, you know, a lot of our partners, they're coming in with, with venture capital money, they're coming in with, uh, you know, secured bank accounts where they could afford our services. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we work with them, whatever their means are, but we know that the, the partners who need us the most, who are in this chicken and egg kind of situation where they need our branding services to go to market, to make to get money, money, to pay you. <laughs> yeah, to pay me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been very fortunate, especially during COVID, uh, to have these kind of like flex partnerships um, we've we've worked with with micro businesses, startups, knowing that they're going to be successful. We're investing in them essentially. Mm. Um, you know, I, I binge watch a lot of Shark Tank. <laughs> oh, I love Shark Tank, and I'm always so inspired by them saying, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw equity at this. I'm not gonna take your equity. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna use Mark Cuban as an example. Yeah. He'll say, you know, I'm really good at like you know marketing and tech startups and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'll leverage all of my resources yeah. as an investment in you, and you pay me back when you're able to do that. That's it. We've done that, um, and we did that even before launching this company, and that's that's incredibly rewarding, and it's great to see all of our um, you know our partners who didn't have the means, you know, be our biggest advocates. They are they are evangelicals for us right now. They are the ones who brought us the leads. They've referred us to, to bigger paying uh, projects. Um, and we've invested in them. So this is a long-term mm. commitment, right? We're in it for the long haul with them. Um, it's it's a really beautiful model. And it's it seems to be unique in the ad agency space. It's definitely, I'm sure, unique in the ad agency space, probably in most businesses. And what I love about it, and it's something I talk to social impact entrepreneurs about a lot in terms of their own personal struggle, because to that point, mm -hmm. right, like they need to pay bills and they yep. need to, but they feel some kind of like disservice to themselves if they if they just kind of create something that doesn't have this like super meaningful mm -hmm. aspect in society. Like they want to sell paper or whatever, right? People need that and people will pay money for it, but it feels empty. But I love your business model because it's like, you're creating a service that you do. So whatever your product is, even if it, the product itself maybe yep. isn't considered what would fall under like a social problem that needs to mm -hmm. be solved, but you're solving a social problem for small entrepreneurs, but you can't really be equipped to solve that problem if you're not serving folks oh, who can afford you. So yeah. to think in that duplicity model, like, okay, who is going, who's our target audience right now? Like, who do we need to generate revenue from? Who can afford us and what can we do for them? And that's okay if that's not like um, driven by some kind of social good purpose. But then when we are able to generate not just enough to operate, but enough to, to thrive, now how can we take some of that profit and, and put that to good, which is, to your point, supporting the growth of these other businesses. So like how you tell stories for companies to me is social good, mm -hmm. um, but how you support the growth of other companies through the work that you do and still kind of get what you need to, 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 Absolutely. to pay your bills. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's an awesome model and I think really more companies should think, and I try to say this all the time, like do the thing that makes you money first. And once you have the capital now, now give back. And, and to your point about young people and people in general, Sometimes your social good is your values, and yep. like that's starting to matter a lot to to employees. Mm -hmm. They want to work for a company that stands for something, and if it doesn't align with their values, they're okay saying like, "There's plenty of engineers that will work for you. I want to work as an engineer for a company who, who, who really puts their money where their mouth is in terms of the social good that they exactly. do." So it doesn't have to be in the product or the work. It can be with what you do with the money you make. 
outside yeah. of the work, right? Exactly. It, it's this like creative Robin Hood model, you know, where yeah. where we're not we're not robbing anybody in this process, but we're we're taking resources to make sure that we have the capacity. Yeah. It, it's like taking care of yourself, yeah. right? If you're not fully there uh, with 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 your mental health and everything, you're not going to be able to be there for others. And that's how our business needs to thrive and, and, and you know continue moving. Yeah, and and you know there's this kind of I, I feel like it's too uh, arduous, but the B Corps model, which is multi-layered in terms of the licensing and how to get mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it needs to be that formal either. Like, and I think your your approach is is a good kind of example of that. That yes, you can go the B Corps route, and it's it's a very specific model about a percentage of your profits that go to X Y Z. Yeah. But you can create your own B Corps model and, and whatever works for your business and, and for what you need to feel good about contributing a social impact. So I absolutely love that. Um, okay, so let's just talk in general as far as entrepreneurship goes. For those folks maybe who are full-time full employed thinking about starting a business or just kind of having that in that ideation phase, what has been the most rewarding thing? And I think you kind of touched on it, but more specifically, you know, what can folks look forward to in mm -hmm. this space? But then also, what are the, the major oh, challenges? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll never sugarcoat anything. I'm, I'm <laughs> only here to tell the truth. Um, you know, as a full disclaimer, um, I am not a financial advisor. So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, there was a lot of struggles throughout this whole process. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I did a lot of reflecting. It was my birthday last week. Happy uh, birthday! Thank you. So I was doing some reflecting on like, you know, what were these three, uh, 365 days and, and what did I do in that time and how did I grow? So, you know, last year uh, I'd quit my job. So that was that was security. And it was a job that I thought was like the end all be all, right? Yeah. That's one of those things that, you know, growing up, the, the process, the formula is, you know, get good grades, go to college, get a secure job, do the whole thing, right? Yeah. And, and when I got to that whole thing end mark, it just felt very empty. Um, so for me, I knew I needed to like take this gigantic leap of faith to, to try something new and, and take a risk. So um, I started this business knowing that I was leaving behind stability, I was leaving behind um, health insurance, mm -hmm. and I was leaving behind this, this normal world of, of a nine to five. Um, so that comes with a handful of issues, right? You know, you have family and friends who are saying, don't do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> are you crazy? Are you crazy? Yeah. And, and for me, and you know, I'll speak to uh, you know, anybody who's listening who might be uh, first generation or, or immigrants or, or, or anybody who really just has like strict parents. <laughs> um, the, the idea of me leaving that job uh, to start something new with, with all unknowns. I mean, there was no guarantee. I didn't know that I was going to be making money a year later. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of a disappointing message to, to you know, deliver to, to your family, to people who, who care about you. might have sacrificed so much exactly. to be in a place where you could have that security. Exactly. You know, I, you know, I was undocumented for a number of years of my life. My parents came here from Mexico and, and I know that for them, um, that was the, that was the path to victory, right? You go to college, you get that good job. So I thought there would be more pushback from them, but they knew what I was doing. They, they saw that I was unhappy. They knew that, you know, this was damaging to me. It was, I wasn't being myself. It was not authentic. Um, and that was a formula for disaster. I mean, they saw that and they were like, no, you got to do whatever is fulfilling for you. So I was very fortunate, but there were a lot of people, especially, you know, my, my blue collar circles, folks who were saying, uh, or white collar, wait, office people, yeah, yeah, office white color, corporate yeah. folks who were saying, you know, that's silly. You you need to be making all of this money right now. Or they now. have to support their parents and, exactly. and don't have the luxury of taking that risk. Exactly. And, and you know, I didn't have a safety net. There was There was no guarantee there, but I knew that in order to be myself, in order to be my authentic self, 
uh, and to, to have the potential to, to thrive in my capacity, um, I needed to take that jump. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was the risk. The reward, I mean, it's been, it's been tenfold. Um, I'm on my own time. That's something that's really important to me. Uh, I've reclaimed my time and my mm-hmm. energy. You don't think about how much energy you expel to people who don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, or just showing up for the sake of showing yeah. up. Where when you're an entrepreneur, you show up when you want to do the work, yeah. and when you're done with the work, you get to go. Yeah, I, I always joked that you know so many of the meetings that I were in could have been emails, yeah. and now they are. Yeah, <laughs> now, right, right, now right, they right. are. I don't have to you know sit through things that don't feel like a good use of my time. Mm. Um, so it, you know it's been incredibly rewarding, but you know throughout this whole process, like I mentioned, we started. 16 days before the entire state of Rhode Island shut down. Um, and our idea pre-COVID was we're only going to help small businesses and startups and companies who need to upgrade, who are mm. in that capacity of growth. Mm. And those companies weren't, they, they closed their wallets because they didn't have the funds to, yeah. to rebrand or to yeah. launch a new website. So we had to quickly pivot and figure out, you know, who are we? Who are we serving? Who can we serve best? And who needs us the most right now? Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, for the past eight months, it's just been this, this rat race of figuring out how can we be, um, you know, continuing to grow our own business yeah. while at the same time never losing sight of our values and our, our north star of helping other people, and that's been incredibly rewarding. I mean, seeing seeing uh, businesses that we've branded and you know done business development for um, go to market and, and launch and, and be there for their ribbon cuttings. I mean, yeah. that's that is beautiful. No kidding. <laughs> You know, we we know that the food space, for an example, is is hurting so bad. Hospitality, food oh. is is being devastated. Yeah. We helped launch a business during COVID, um, a restaurant over on Allen's Ave in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, check it out. Hashtag Casa Azul. Uh, they make the best tacos in Rhode Island. Um, I've actually already even heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We're doing our jobs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Someone was just saying how good they were. I forgot who it was I was talking to. I got to talk to them. <laughs> we got to give them the, the referral bonus. But part of part of that project was, you know, they came to us and said, "Hey, we we desperately need help. We know that to compete with established businesses, to to even just like survive uh, after investing everything we have into this thing, we need a market, right?" Um, so that was one of those projects where we knew this is going to pay off. This is going to pay yeah. off. They're good people. They're people who will, will advocate for us, and it's going to be a fantastic case study if we pull this off. Yeah. So, you know, we launched in uh, July, July 7th, and uh, my wife painted a beautiful, beautiful mural in there. And in that time, like seeing them get featured in publications, having, you know, the mayor and the lieutenant governor and the secretary of state and all mm. these representatives be there for a ribbon cutting during a global pandemic mm. while businesses are closing their doors. Like that, that is the reason we do this work. Oh, love, because you're, you're, you're this own entity of a business, but you're the conduit for another business to become yeah. successful, to become, to go to market for people to know who they are, which is what makes a business. I mean, ultimately you have to put yourself out there and you have to tell your story in a way that's going to attract the people you want so you can make the money so you can stay mm-hmm. open. So th- like, don't underestimate the power of the branding <laughs> and the marketing piece. Just don't necessarily put it first yeah. because you have to figure out everything else. Yeah. But like that is so powerful that you can yeah. create that level of, of excitement and success for yeah. another business to thrive. Exactly. I mean, to, to that same antidote, anecdote, anecdote. Um, they were making good food before they met us, right? Yes, <laughs> That's it. They yes. knew that they were going to have people yes. at the door before they met us. Yeah. What we did is we brought new people in. Yeah. We we maximized that reach, but they have to do their job really well in order for them to even have people at the door. Right. So you know they didn't put the cart before the horse. They knew that they needed 
to do their thing really, really strongly in order to have that brand be, you know, correlating with that same impact. Right, and just kind of amplifying who, exactly. who this business is. Um, okay, so so we talk about, you know, the challenges is the risk and the money and, you know, all the things that you're not going to have, but then all the things that you gain in terms of personal fulfillment and the, and the type of fulfillment you get when you do the job well and people mm -hmm. like what you do. Um, what final kind of pieces of advice or thoughts would you have for somebody at the ideation phase who's who's maybe just kind of spinning in the drain or thinking like I want to do this but they're being kind of overwhelmed by what's not going to work like what, yeah. what advice would you have for them so that short list you have of things that are not going to work you know you're going to end up doubling that there's going to be a lot of things monkey wrenches I mean just look at COVID I mean it, it completely destroyed the the path that people were, were setting for themselves but have realistic expectations of what failure could look like. Um, have realistic expectations of, of how you're gonna pivot. Um, that's, that's so critical. And, and just take care of yourself throughout the process. Um, I, I tell every single person I talk to, uh, this is an exhausting line of work. Mm -hmm. Being your own boss, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of glorified, um, especially now. You know, every, every young person, uh, instead of being directed to uh, you know, becoming doctors and, and lawyers and even me I do that a lot to, to young people too but we can't glorify this thing without talking about you know what it actually means mm -hmm. and it means it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of hours and you know if you're not if you're not taking care of yourself in that process your business won't be successful mm -hmm. that's that's an incredible takeaway there um, so take care of yourself have realistic expectations but love the work you're doing otherwise you know you gotta you gotta shift to something else I love that so much, and you know you do you do have to be very self directed to to run a business. So if that's not a quality of yours, if you're someone who really yeah. needs instructions or reminders, yep. um, maybe second guess entrepreneurship yeah. or, or bring a partner in. Yeah, who, yeah. Who can you know be be compatible in that sense? Right? That's true. That's true. There's there's a, I always see the best combinations in business as the visionary and the operational person. Yeah. Some people I think I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but you know, some people are total visionaries and they just have ideas, 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 which which is what a business needs to grow, but then you need the grounded person who's mm -hmm. like, okay, let's execute this effectively. Um, okay, and so finally, you had mentioned this is your second iteration. What was your, just out of curiosity, what was your first business? Oh, the, the one I started when I was 13 years old. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, um, so kind of doing the freelance stuff yeah. all the way through. So the, the formal thing of it was uh, I was a print broker. Uh, it was a little bit of design work, but I was a print broker. Uh, I was managing all these print projects where uh, I didn't own a printer, uh, but I knew how to leverage relationships I had with these wholesale printers. Huh. So I was getting boxes delivered to my house of like, you know, banner stands and, you know, thousands and thousands of, of manuals and postcards and books. Um, and I knew that that was the best place for me to be in. I could bring in projects and I didn't have to own any buildings or machines. I was just building so good relationships. what's the, the value prop is the person just doesn't want to deal with those logistics and so they're willing to pay more to get it done to have someone else do it? Um, kind of I am like, significantly more cost effective than a brick and mortar print shop because I am I'm just the middle person. You're getting wholesale printing pricing from from somebody so who doesn't. So your business model is you might be going to various entities to do various projects, whereas they would have to kind of go with they wouldn't want to deal with that. Like they yeah. would either go to one guy yeah. and pay a lot. Yeah. So you had to prove to them it'll be cheaper to go with me. Don't worry about how I get it done. Just get it yeah. done. It'll be delivered to your house. Interesting. <laughs> okay. And yeah. so so then you transition more into the storytelling and the branding side. So you said you had just kind of thought about a rebrand and think what is next for the business, especially yeah. like post COVID. Post COVID. So, you know, when we launched in February it was my wife and our two dogs. And, you know, since then we now have we have a team of six. You know, we've wow. tripled in size. Uh, we have, you know, our beautiful office space here at the CIC. 
Um, we have an incredible group of partners that we work with. So next is telling that crazy ass story of what we did in eight months. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it's setting the chart for, for what's next. Um, we've, we've pulled in services and projects that we didn't expect to. Um, you know, going back to that restaurant example, my wife painted a, a 12 by nine mural in there. So now we're getting calls uh, from like all over the, the region for mural work. Wow. And that's what's fulfilling to her. So I'm of course gonna be able to add that as a, yeah. as a service. So we've, we've evolved um, by necessity and now we need to tell that story of who we are now. Yeah. Um, our values haven't changed, our, our processes haven't changed, we haven't changed, but now there's just an additional line of services that we offer. Um, thanks to our, our, our you know new team members and new work that's come out but um, also just based out of what people need right now yeah um, so it's it's telling that story and it's it's really just painting the picture for where we're gonna be in the next couple of years and so who should reach out to you for what service and where can they find your business excellent so if you're a fan of tacos uh, and you want to get over some lunch in Rhode Island uh, you could definitely meet up with me <laughs> uh, the other group of people is uh, you know you're you're planning on starting your business um, and you're serious about it uh, and I mean that. Um, I want to work with people who, who want to do good in the world. Um, I want to help bring your brand to reality. Uh, but I also want to help people upscale their businesses, right? There's, there's so many folks who um, have an outdated brand or just a brand that doesn't feel right anymore, similar to how we are right now. Um, I want to help you uh, tell that story and get to that next level. We do web development work, we do marketing, we do brand design, uh, we do murals, <laughs> we do interior design. We bring people together, uh, we tell stories, and you know we do it really well uh, with the intention of, of doing good in the world so uh, if any of those things um, you know spark any interest to you uh, I'd love to have a conversation about that what uh, can you I'm gonna get your website info yeah. for my uh, episode page but can you share that uh, that link with folks we make this very easy um, our company is the Nunez Co you could find our website at the Nunez Co, and all of our social media handles are the Nunez Co. And I have to say, having been to your website, like if you're looking for someone for branding and marketing, like it's clear that this <laughs> this is what you do because your website is fantastic. And most people are going to go like, I want my website to look like that. <laughs> so if they can do it for themselves and really be clear about who they are and tell that story, you know they can do it for you. And that's what sold me is like, wow, this looks really great. And I would want, because you know, sometimes you'll go to branders and it's like, oh, okay, their own <laughs> website isn't that great. But Ray's is not the case. So so go check out the Nunez Co. website. And if you're looking for branding, marketing, website design, a whole bunch of awesome stuff, murals potentially, uh, Ray and his firm could probably uh, help get you there. Reach out to him directly. Go to the episode page if you want those links. Thanks so much for tuning in. Oh, yes, and thank you, Ray, so much for being here. I'm like, okay, everyone, check out Ray's stuff. Gotta go, bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate having you. Thank you, Shana. Thank you for having me. All right, now we're, now we're leaving. Bye.